Yesterday I recited this ayah before you. We talked a little bit about entrepreneurship and people that are uh, that assume that their work leads to success in whatever form. So today I wanted to share with you the ayah itself and the reality of worldly acquisitions. What does a person acquire in this world of anything? Uh, it's not even reduced. The matter is not reduced to just wealth. So Allah says, وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ And whatever you've been given of any sort of thing. أُوتِيتُمْ The utia, utia is that active or passive? Much food, Right? What's the na'ibu al-fa'il? أُوتِيتُمْ Na'ibu al-fa'il I said متصل because تُمْ at the end. Right? But briefly, you've been given something. As opposed to saying, فَمَا لَكُمْ Whatever you have, min شَيْءٍ Whatever you have in Wamaindakum in Shayin, whatever you have in your possession, he says, whatever you've been given of anything. The statement already acknowledges that it's not yours. It's been given to you. Whatever you have has been given to you. It isn't actually genuinely your possession. Then he adds, then whatever that is, if you reach that conclusion, no, it's just a means to enjoy worldly life. Muta'a in Arabic means two things: utilization and enjoyment. Two, two pieces of meaning to the word mut'a. And so mata'ul hayat dunya on the one hand means something to enjoy temporarily, on the other hand it means something to utilize. So mata' could be food, and mata' could also be the spoon. Now nobody enjoys a spoon, but they certainly what? They certainly use it. So a spoon can become a mata' also. Things that you have to put to work. Wazinatuha, in addition to mata', it's also a means by which Worldly life is beautified. It's its beauty. So two khabars. You know, mata'ul hayat dunya wa zinatuha. Now look, our possession was compared to Allah's possession. Our possession was described ma utitum, whatever you've been given. Allah's possession, wa ma indallahi, and whatever belongs to Allah, whatever Allah has. And inda actually, if you you know, remember the comparison between lam and inda, Allah says lam for himself too, lillahi ma fi samawati wa but in this ayah he says, وَمَا Not وَمَا لِلَّهِ But he says, وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عِنْدَ actually is for qurb, for closeness. So, if I'm ana عِنْدَك, I mean I'm right by your side. Al-Imam عِنْدَ masjid, He's right by the masjid. So عِنْدَ is not just for possession, it's also for closeness. Whatever Allah has, of course, whatever you have is also Allah's. So what's he referring to whatever Allah has? Whatever is close to Allah right now, but by definition it is far from you. I mean the Jannah he has for you, the rewards he has for you, the, the eternal life he has for you, the things he has that are closer to him right now than they are to you. You're still in the worldly, in worldly things. And what's beautiful about the word inda in comparison to the word dunya, dunya also is the superlative form of adna. In dunya, worldly life is actually the lowest life, one meaning of it is lowest, al-hayat al-dunya, and also means closest. This is closest to you right now for you to enjoy. It's been given to you. But what I have in my possession, khayrun wa abqa, is better and lasts longer. Now, khayr and abqa are both comparative words. And this will be the last piece of like, uh, reflection I want to share with you guys. Khayrun wa abqa are both comparative. They're both isn't Whenever you use the word comparison, then you're really putting one thing against another. That's what you're doing. So Allah is forcing us to compare things we have here with things that he still has in his possession awaiting us. I have life here, I'll have life there. I have energy here, I'll have energy there. 
I have enjoyment here, I'll have enjoyment there. I have food here, I'll have food there. I have a house here, I'll have a house there. There's a comparison. But when you make that comparison, just remember one thing. Every time you use something here, remember there's something to be compared with that where? In Akhirah. Something you find good, something you find enjoyable, and something you find beautiful here, constantly this imprint in your mind there's something of the, this that is that has two qualities in Jannah. Number one is khair, is better. I'm eating food, it's delicious, I remind myself there's food in Jannah and it's better. I, have, I enjoy myself doing something. I play a game, I enjoy company, I have a good time. I see a beautiful scene, I say this scene is beautiful, but what Allah has is better. This is khair. This is khairun. This has to be imprinted in the mind of a believer. When they enjoy good things. This is great, but there's way better. The second quality Allah adds is wa abqa. We did baqiya yabqa pretty recently. What does it yabqa mean? To remain. Abqa. Al khayru abqa wa in tala zamanu bihi this morning. What does abqa mean? To last longer. The second comparison constantly where all things that are beautiful and enjoyable in this world. What's the constant comparison? Whatever Allah has lasts longer. Longer than this. I'm walking into my house. You know? Walk into the house. I just, I'm looking at the house and I'm going, oh, this is nice. Alhamdulillah. But there's another house and that lasts longer than this. This won't last. By definition, you start thinking things here won't last. I love spending time with my children. But the company, the family Allah will give me in Jannah, these children, may Allah return them to me in Jannah, but they're better and that, that company, that time lasts longer. You know, there are moments at, at times in, in your life where you're with people you love and you're really enjoying yourself and you want it to last forever. Or sometimes husband and wife get into a fight and they get over it and then they're together and they're happy with each other and they turn to each other and say, why can't every day be like this? Why can't it just stay like this? That's the time to remind yourself, whatever Allah is, is better. better. It's going to be better happiness than this and it's going to last. It's not going to go away. Because even when we have happy times in the back of our head, what are we thinking? Man, this, I mean, spring is here, but fall's coming, you know? You're always thinking as another, another day, where it's going to pass and then bad times are ahead. خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى أَفَلَا تَعْقِرُونَ Why don't you apply, exercise your intellect then? Literally, the question at the end of this ayah is, think about this. Why aren't you thinking? Why aren't you engaged in, in real thought about this constantly? SubhanAllah. And if that happens, then, you know, nobody gets confused about what real success means. What real, nobody gets deluded into thinking they've acquired a lot in this world, or what they've acquired means something significant. means nothing then. And they're constantly thinking, this will go, just like I will go, and what Allah has is better and longer lasting. Those two words capture the essence of a believer in the Akhirah, especially in Jannah. وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى أَفَلَا تَعْقِرُونَ بَارَكَ اللَّهُ لِي وَنَقْفُ الْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ وَنَفَعْنِي وَإِيَّاكُمْ السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. ثم ما بعد. إن شاء الله تعالى. Today I wanted to wrap up one part of at least entrepreneurship and people that are in the worldly sense successful. Allah Azza wa Jal uh, in the Quran, in, again Surah Al-Qasas, gives us the example of Qarun. Qarun is a very interesting figure. He's mentioned in this detail in Surah uh, Al-Qasas towards the end, 
where in the beginning of Surah Al-Qasas, Allah actually only mentioned Fir'aun and Haman and their armies. And the armies of Fir'aun are the obvious enemies of the, the Muslims of that time, the Bani Israel. But Qarun was an internal enemy. He was uh, basically, you can call him a sellout. He was extremely wealthy among Bani Israel. And how can that be if they're a slave race and they're overpowered and they're living in the ghettos? Well, Fir'aun actually hired some people or he, gave, he enriched some people from within that community so he can keep an eye on them from the inside. It was sort of an inside man for working for Fir'aun, and that's how he became extremely wealthy. And so, because he, and Allah explains his wealth, Allah says, you know, He was from the nation of Musa, he rebelled against them. He was, a, he was a rebel against them, meaning he was a traitor to them. He wasn't loyal to the Israelites, so he was loyal to Fir'aun. And that's why, and Allah says, Allah allowed him to have a lot of wealth. We allowed him to have hordes of treasures, and I've talked to you about his treasures before, Mafatih and Mafatih, that discussion is in the same ayat. But what I highlight to you is the archetype of a wealthy person, not just, the question isn't just about where that person got their wealth from, but when someone is in a position of wealth, they become prominent, whether they like it or not. They become, I mean, because they're employers, because their housing is different from everybody else's, their ride is different from everybody else's, they, they stick out. And when they stick out, they become, whether they like it or not, role models. People want to be like them. People want to emulate. They see that as success. Whether our faith teaches us success is something bigger, something more than worldly wealth or not, it's human nature to see a nice house and wonder, wow, I wonder what it's like to live in a house like that. It's human nature. You can't help yourself. You see a beautiful car, it doesn't matter how much dhikr of the akhirah you do, you're going to see a nice car and say, wow, that's pretty sweet. It's just going to happen. Right? So there's one part of us that just it desires beautiful things. Allah put that inside of us. It's not something evil in and of itself. It's something Allah put inside us. So when people like that are around, then they, people you know, deep down inside want to be like them or they want to have what they have. And this, you know, the wealthy realize that. They get a whiff of that, that people look up to them or they want to be like, they're trendsetters. And this can become a real problem. They can become they can, for themselves and for others. So the mature in the community, and this is the really you know hard thing for successful wealthy people, is to have mature, good friends that aren't friends with them because of their wealth. And they're not going to say they're not going to be afraid to say something uh, to them in all honesty, because out of fear that they're going to go out of favor from them. Because you know, when people are famous or when people are wealthy and people are in a posi position of political status, then their friends try not to say something against them because they don't want to come out of that elite circle. But if they're fortunate, if the people of wealth, people of status are fortunate enough, they'll have friends around them, sincere brothers around them, sisters around them that are honest to them. And it becomes more and more difficult the more and more wealthy you get, the more and more prominent you get the more difficult it becomes to have sincere friends around. That will say to you what the right thing is no matter what. Anyhow, Allah highlights the, the people of sincerity in the community who actually did give him advice. And that's their greatness, that they were bold enough to speak out and say this to this person who everybody else obviously looks up to because of their status. And they gave a, like a you know, compartmentalized bit of advice. And I just want to quickly just mention the first of those things and I'll go through each of them inshallah one, one after the other in these sessions. 
So, إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ قَوْمُهُ لَا تَفْرَحْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْفَرِحِينَ First bit of advice, don't be overjoyed because of your wealth. Don't like, because you know, this is, the word إِذْ is used, which is ظرف, as you know, right? So his, he would look at his treasures and then when he'd look at the shiny gold coins or whatever they were, his eyes would bulge and he'd have a smile on his face. And that's what people noticed and they said, look, you need, you get a little too happy when you see your money. Or you get a little too excited when you see like the bank account or whatever else. You need to calm down. That's not the source of happiness and this is not something you need to be <coughs> celebrating. Because this in the end is a test and you're forgetting that, you know. A person with those kind, that kind of money, they have enough to eat today, tomorrow, the day after. They have enough. But still what happens? You want to see more and you want to see more and it makes you happy. And this is a problem. This money for the sake of money. That you know you get addicted to making more and more and more. So his friends are telling him, or the community, sincere community is telling him, don't be this way. Don't become obsessed with money itself. Don't ex become obsessed with wealth itself and find happiness in that. And you know people that become this way, then they lose everything else in life. And that's the last thing I'll share with you guys. They lose everything in life. All they care about is making more money. They don't have time for family. They don't have time for friends. They don't have time for... Just, they're just constantly thinking, how do I expand the business? How do I take it further? How do I make this, make this money work more and more and more for me? And that's what their entire life becomes. And when they see the returns come, ah, now it's cause to be happy, cause to celebrate. You know, so they'll throw parties, corporate parties, and all this other stuff, when huge returns come in. Because that is their source of happiness, nothing else is left. La tafrah in Allah You know, happiness in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's not. But this kind of happiness, materialistic happiness, Allah says He doesn't like those who are happy in this way. So it's not, Allah is not saying Allah doesn't like happy people. <laughs> it's not what He's saying. He's saying people who are overjoyed because of material gain. Those are the kinds of people Allah doesn't like. That's where they started their advice. Then they gave him like this one by one by one bit of advice. It's very comprehensive, inshallah. We'll share that as the days come. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Quran al-Hakim. Wa nafa'ni wa iyaakum bil ayat wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. 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 في الفصل الكبير في القاعة الكبيرة وأكون في خدمة من يحتاج إلى مساعدة anybody who needs help I'll be there for an hour inshallah ta'ala in the class after anyhow so we were talking before about the advice that people of sincere genuine and courageous counsel gave to this celebrity and this wealthy person Qarun and the first advice was not to be overwhelmed in or not to be overly excited about his wealth لا تفرح إن الله لا يحب الفريحين the second bit of advice وَابْتَغِي فِيمَا أَتَاكَ اللَّهُ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةِ Pursue, وَابْتَغِي is a command form. And the command is used in the Arabic language not just to tell someone what to do, but also to suggest to someone what they should be doing. Advice is also given in the Amr form. So the suggestion given is, you should pursue in whatever Allah has given you. فِيمَا أَتَاكَ اللَّهُ In whatever Allah has given you. الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةِ The final home. The advice here is, Allah has given you a lot of opportunity. He's opened up a lot of doors for you that he hasn't opened for others. That means you should be investing this extra opportunity to build your home in Jannah. If Allah has facilitated the building of your home in dunya, then you should be even in a better position to build your home in the akhirah, invest even more, do even more. Allah wants to see what you do with the gifts you've been given. So a person of wealth, you know, there's two directions their thoughts can go. 
they can think to themselves, you know, what happens with people that don't have any concept of deen, once they have money, either they think about how can I get more money, or they go into politics, how can I get power? Right, so they either take the direction of money or they take the direction of power. And that's, those are the two places they want to, and power could be social and celebrity and all of this sort of thing, or political power and things like that too, influence, right? Those are the two aspirations they get. When Allah is saying for the person of wealth within the Muslim community, when you reach a position of wealth, then your concern should be, how am I going to build Jannah using this wealth? How am I going to build, you know, leave a lasting legacy that serves the deen, and therefore as a result builds my akhirah? So our, you know, the concept of our entrepreneurship is not just entrepreneurship for the sake of making money, but also creative entrepreneurship in serving the ummah, in serving the deen, and exhausting ourselves in becoming contributors in some way. And that's the career goal of every Muslim. You know, like an aspiring, I tell Muslims they should be, we should be the best at any career we, you know, endeavor into. Some, all, all of your Arabic students, some of you are going to go into medical studies, some of you are going to go into business, some of you are going to go into whatever other, you know, engineering, whatever else. Be at the top of your field, but then that's not your goal. Your goal isn't to be at the top of your field. Your goal is, be at the top of my field so I can serve the deen in XYZ way. Your, your goal isn't your career. That's everybody else. Everybody else, they, all their life amounts to is that career. Our goal is service at the end. How are we building our akhirah once we've you know, we excel in our fields, and actually I say, personally to Muslims, they should aspire to have awesome careers so that they can be part-timers in their careers. They should be so successful that they have to do very little in terms of dunya, so they can exhaust most of their energies in terms of deen. Because you know, when you are, when you're working uh, and you barely make ends meet, you're just working enough so you can survive and pay the bills and all of that, and some people are in that situation, then they don't have any time to do anything outside of that. They're just exhausting all of their energies, just surviving day to day. And Allah has put some people in that test. But then there are others who have what they call nowadays disposable income. They have a little extra. They have, you know, the opportunity. They could take 80 hours and make 10 times more money, or they could do 20 hours and still live well. They, could, they don't have to do 80 hours. They can do 15 hours. They can be like that too, a week, you know. When people reach at that career, then that's not the time to take the extra vacations. That's the time to get busy contributing, doing something for Allah, doing something for this deen, investing that extra money and that extra energy and that extra opportunity to create something that will help the Muslims, you know, and the, help the community at large reach a better state. That's the thought process that if enough of us had, enough of us were thinking along these lines, then we would just look like a different nation. We just look like a different people because we'd have enough people wanting to make this online, by extension, the world a better place, it will start turning into a better place. It'll, 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 and it's not like every. This is the last thing I'll share with you. It's not like This intention. I want to build my house in Jannah, in this that Allah has given me. The way in which I'm going to pursue that is not going to be the same as the way in which you're going to pursue it. We're all going to be inspired and guided by the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet and the, the awesome seerah of the Messenger But the talents I've been given are not the ones you've been given, and the talents you've been given aren't the ones I've been given. You, each one of us will have to chart out our own career path of building our house in Jannah. What is going to be our contribution? What is going to be the, the thing that we do? You know, and you, all of you, especially the younger guys here, you have to seriously ask yourselves this question. You are now at the stage in your life where your, your accountability, your, your, your mas'uliyah has begun now. And you have about basically 40, 50 years to do something with your life. 
and then his retirement after that, and you're looking back at your youth and saying, I wish I did this or that or the other. This is the time to get stuff done, you know? You have to be in that mode now. So don't just think, what am I gonna do two years from now, three years from now, five years from now? Have a plan, this is what my life is gonna look like. So when I look back, I can say, this is what I gave myself to. This is what my energies were focused on. And Allah Azza wa Jal give all of us a clear sense of direction and guide the direction that we take and make us contributors in this. Ummah barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikna hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وابتغي فيما آتاك الله الدار الآخرة ولا تنسى نصيبك من الدنيا وأحسن كما أحسن الله إليك ولا أحسن الله إليك ولا تبغي الفساد في الأرض إن الله لا يحب المفسدين رب الشرح صدري ويسر لي أمري وحمل وقتة من لساني أفقه قولي أمين يا رب العالمين so the bit of advice that the community gives to Harun, I'm just going to continue a little bit about that. Uh, the first thing, once again, was la tafrah in Allah la farihin. We've discussed that already. The second thing was wabtali fi ma atak Allahu dar al akhirah. Was the second thing. The third thing is wala tansa nasiba kamin al dunya. Wala tansa. What does that mean, guys? Wala tansa. Don't forget nasibak. Nasib is your portion. Good fortune also. Good fortune in Arabic is also called nasib. Nasib is also a fork in the road or a rock in the road that helps you get to the right direction, like a good marking. So somebody considers it their good fortune that they found this marking, that they didn't get lost. And from it the word got coined as good fortune. Okay? The word nasib also in Quran is used for a portion that is, you're meant to have it. The portion you were meant to have. So you don't feel bad about what you were meant to have, or somehow that you're a materialist if good fortune came your way. So the advice this community is giving him is, on the one hand, you should be giving more, and you should be using your success to serve deen more, but that does not mean that you just completely think of your wealth as a curse and you can't hold on to any of it, or you can't enjoy your life or you know, do anything else in your life with it. Because you know what happens in our, in the Muslim mindset, either you become, oh, you know, I'm, I've already done my part, or you become, I have never, I haven't nearly done enough, and we, you know, of course we love to give the example of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, who gave all of his wealth, and Umar al-Khattab who gave half his wealth, uh, and you know, and those examples are there. They're incredible role models for us, but that's not the norm. Those are the exceptions. And may Allah make us reach that that state. But that there were thousands of other Sahaba who gave too, and we hear about the stories of Umar radiAllahu anhu and the stories of Abu Bakr Siddiq. They saw them, they saw them, but they knew that that's not expected of all Muslims. And we don't take anything away from those Sahaba either, radiAllahu anhu wa anhu, right? So it's not like everybody should be you know, put in the position until, until I'm doing that, I'm worth nothing. It's not like that. So, the expectation from him is to take care of his worldly responsibilities too. Naseeb, naseeb you can understand it in two ways. Your worldly responsibilities, uh, which you can include in, in that family, parents, other things, in addition to the cause of Allah. That's also part of your responsibilities from the dunya. Your own health, your own, you know, time management, your own friends and things like that. Because what happens to some people, they, when they think of serving deen, that means I don't have to have, I can't have time for my family, that's dunya. Or if I have to serve deen, then I can't have time for friends, or I can't sit and relax, I just have to serve Allah's deen, how can I become a person of dunya? That's actually not, the advice in this passage is so powerful. And it's 
Allah deems this advice so balanced that he, you know, recorded it, made it a permanent part of his book. La tansa dunya. Don't forget your portion in dunya. It's not like serving your deen means you will compromise time and, and value and, you know, uh, due consideration to the wife, to the parents, to the children, to the community, other, other aspects of your life. And then, in maintaining and balancing all of those things, which is probably one of the hardest things any of us will ever have to do in our life, is find balance. Right? Balancing, like right now you guys are in your studies, so balancing time between studies, maybe work, you know, uh, family time, sleep, entertainment, time with friends, you, you know, when am I going to eat, when am I going to sleep. All of these things have to be balanced in your day. And as you become more and more busy, and of course the one he's being talked to is a busy businessman, he's got a lot on his plate. Balancing all of these things are a challenge. But the more you are in that position, the more you have to excel. You have to be the role model of balance, of balancing these things. What happens to most people when they excel in their career? Their career takes the front seat, everything else takes a back seat, right? So there's an imbalance. The same thing happens with youth when they get involved with religious work. The MSA takes the front seat, their classes take a back seat, their studies take, everything else takes a back seat. You just go into one thing, you drop everything else. The passage is also this, وَلَا تَنْسَ نَصِيبَكَ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا Right after, وَابْتَغِي فِي مَا أَتَاكَ اللَّهُ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةِ The point of it is balance both of these things. And then, وَأَحْسِنْ كَمَا أَحْسَنَ اللَّهُ إِلَيْكَ excel. The word ihsan, this is the last, this is the next bit of advice, I'll be very quick about this one. Excel the way Allah excelled towards you. Do good just like Allah has done good directed at you. Allah has been good to you. Allah has been good to you. And you in turn need to be good yourself. Now ihsan is two things. Ihsan has an Arabic meaning. And then ihsan has a meaning that the Prophet ﷺ gave it. Right? That's the definition of ihsan that the Prophet gave ﷺ to the word. But then the Arabic language also has ahsana ila fulanin, to be good to somebody, to do good to somebody. The, both of those meanings implied here. On the one hand, yeah, on the one hand, excel, be the absolute best that you can be. Because a person in prominence is a person that everybody's eyes are on, so they have to hold themselves to a higher standard. Because whether they like it or not, they set the tone for so many other people. Other people follow their follow suit whether they want them to or not, because just because they're in a prominent position. People dress like musicians, don't they? They, they? they buy clothes like actors. They do their hair like, you know, pop artists. You know, people wear jerseys of sports athletes. People follow people of prominence, whether they want them to or not. It's just, it happens. So they have to be, in Islam, they have to be models of balance and excellence. On the one hand, and two, they have to be doing good to others. Allah has been good to them, they better be good to others. And Allah didn't even specify an object here. Just be good. Ahsin ila fula ila man. Lam yaqul. Ahsin kama ahsan Allahu ilayk. Be good to Allah. Be good to others. Because you, a lot of eyes are on you. And Allah is watching what you do with the goodness Allah has given to you. So with that I'll stop. Barakallahu li wa lakum fi al-Qur'an al-Hakim. Wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayat wa dhikr al-Hakim. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Akhiru nasihatin a'atahu qawmuhu Yani a'ata qaruna qawmuhu Hiya Wala tarughil fasada fil ard Inna Allah la yuhibbul mufsideen Rabbi shahri sadri wa yassirli amri Wa ahlul uqtatan min lisani yifqahu qawli The last bit of advice that his nation gave to him Was wala tarughil fasada fil ard 
don't pursue corruption in the in the land in the, uh, in, the in the region. You could say an alternative the region in the area. The role model has, on the one hand, higher expectations of him. I talked to you about that yesterday. He's got an opportunity to earn more dunya, so he should show more goodness. And the goodness of his should be more prominent than other people's. Because people look up to that sort of thing. And they want to emulate that. And they want to be like that. But at the, on the other hand, something that, you know, one of the great remarkable scholars in the history of Islam, Shah Walila Dehabi, rahimahullah, warned about, he kind of foresaw the coming of the modern world, the way it's going to manifest, and its economy is going to be different from the previous world. And he foresaw this, he was worried about this idea that poor people will become a lot poorer, and rich people will become a lot richer. And as a result, poor people will not care about religion because they'll just spend their time trying to survive. And rich people will use, will have so much disposable income and so much wealth that they will start using their money in corrupt, deviant ways of entertaining themselves or making their, their lives more luxurious. And subhanAllah, if you just think about how the world looks today, there are people that just, they're trying to survive, and they're working maybe 18, 20, 20 hour, you know, hours a day just trying to survive. You could, it's hard for them to talk to you, for you to talk to them about religion or deen or spirituality or anything like that, because the, the guy doesn't even have time for himself. It doesn't, that's the world he lives in. And on the other hand, you have people that have become, that basically support a lot of the industries that are the source of such corruption in the world, right? The, some of the most, the, the biggest, you know, sources of corruption in the world today, the way, you know, filthy ideas spread are the entertainment industry or some, you know, big elements in the music industry and other industries like that, right? And who supports those industries? Consumers that have disposable income and people that, you know, uh, are willing to spend that sort of, time and money, etc., and invest into those kinds of things. And that's how that, that entire cycle perpetuates. And that's why we have to be careful about what we consume and what we, what we buy. Like if, for example, I just decide I'm going to buy a movie or I'm going to just, you know, go to the theater and watch some, something or another, right? And you know there's corruption, there's filth in it, there's something bad in it. Then I'm not, I didn't just do something bad for myself, I furthered you know, that's what they want. That's how they survive is through their sales, right? So sometimes we have to we have to think now that even us as consumers, every time we endorse something, we are or buy something, we're endorsing it. And every time we boycott something, we're making a statement about it. You know, like Imam Suhaib talks a lot about, like uh, not buying products that are uh, that are you know from countries that are known to be culprits in terms of child labor and other sorts of things. You know, buying clean products and being aware of where you're getting your stuff from. That's an important aspect of what we have to become now because we are, you know, living in this society, we are bigger consumers than anywhere else. The world tries to sell to America, right? So we have to be cautious consumers because just by being consumers, we may be perpetuating facade on the earth. The other thing here, of course, you know, when people have wealth, then they have the opportunity to do more corrupt things than anybody else. They have more opportunity, they have more time, they have more luxury, you know, they can afford it. And so you'll find in upper echelon, higher circles, you'll find the worst kinds of corruption and the worst kinds of craziest kinds of parties and that sort of thing. You'll find in that circle because it's, that's the advice they're giving them. You're heading down that road. No doubt Allah does not like those. Now if he's pursuing fasad, this is the last thing I'll share with you. If Qarun is pursuing fasad, fasad means corruption. 
then he would be corrupt. And the word for corrupt is fasid. That would be fasid. But the ayah doesn't end, Inna Allah la yuhibbul fasidin. The ayah ends, Inna Allah la yuhibbul mufsidin. Now, fasada, from which you get fasid, the corrupt person, it's lazim. It's lazim. But afsada is muta'addi. It goes to somebody else. To cause corruption is afsada. And from afsada, what do you get? Afsada yufsidu ifsad. And why am I alone in this? Afsada yufsidu ifsad. Fahuwa mufsidun. Mufsidun is the guy who causes corruption. Not the guy who's corrupt, but the guy who causes corruption. The advice to him is don't pursue corruption. Allah doesn't love people who cause corruption. SubhanAllah, you see the transition? He's told don't be corrupt. Because when people like you, people of prominence become corrupt, they're not just corrupt, they become causes of corruption. They create corruption. They set trends of corruption. They mess other people up. We have to think about ourselves like that. We have to think about ourselves as not being causes of corruption. Not having others follow down the path, that a bad path that, or a bad you know, trend that we've set. May Allah Azza protect us from being mufsid and from the, being those who pursue fasad. Barakallahu li wa lakum fi al-Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa iya'kum bil-ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.